0: Well, thanks, Jer. It's good to good to be here today. Yeah, I've known Jer for a long time, and it's been cool. I, I know a number of you for for a while. Uh, just the journey of Passion Church. I you know ever since I knew Jer, or at least since you were in your early twenties, he always had this this thing in his mind. I'm gonna plant a church one day. And I thought, Jer, you're crazy, man. <laughs> I church planted in my earlier 20s and I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. It's a hard thing to do, uh, but here we are. And uh, like Jer said, I get, to, I, get to, I get to play, sit on the board. And, and so every month I'm hearing about Passion Church and seeing all the, all the things coming through. And man, God is doing a pretty incredible work here uh, through this church. And to be here in person, it's, it is truly wonderful. This is a, an answer to prayer uh, that we all get to be here. And you, get, you guys are in such a specific part of the city. Um, and it's just a privilege to be, uh, to be here and, and to be able to connect with you, Jer. And, and you guys are so lucky to have Jer as a, as a pastor. I got to work with him for a number of years. He just cares so much. And so, uh, Jer, thanks for being faithful to God's call on your life and, and doing all of this and working and imparting in so many people's lives. So God's doing a good work. A friend of mine, he's a pastor on the island. He, uh, he showed me a statistic uh, a couple weeks ago. And it kind of shocked me. He googled on his phone, he showed, me the, he showed it to me. He googled something like, the top unchurched cities in all of Canada. What are the un- top unchurched cities in all of Canada? And he said, read the top six. And I read the top six. The top six unchurched cities in all of Canada are in British Columbia, believe it or not. The first is Nanaimo, then Kamloops, and then Victoria, and then Chilliwack, and then Kelowna, that's five, and then number six was Vancouver. <laughs> the top six Unchurched cities in all of Canada are in BC. And Vancouver by far has the greatest population out of any of those cities. Those are mostly smaller cities in our in our province. So that means that Vancouver has the densest is the densest and most unchurched city in Canada. And that's where we decided to plant this church, incredibly enough. And I don't know about you, but Sometimes when I'm, I live in Surrey and I drive on the highway, I'm driving into church and I'm you know, passing these cars and stuff. And I think to myself, none of these people, almost none of these people know who God is. <laughs> they don't even, a lot of them don't even care who God is. You go to a hockey game or go see crowds in a mall, I'm thinking to myself, none of these people, almost, almost none of these people know about who God is or even care about God. It's kind of depressing a little bit, to be honest with you. I think to myself, well, God has played such a, God does play such a crucial part of my life. Like I couldn't imagine my life without God at the center of it. And here we are living in a city, the densest and most, the the city with literally the most number of people that don't go to church in our whole country. I mean, where do we begin reaching these people? How did we do it? Like, we live in this city that, that they people around us don't know about God, nor do they care, many of them, about God. I mean, what's the answer? How do we reach these people? Well, that's what I want to talk about today. In fact, Atto, as he was reading the scripture, uh, the scripture about being salt in life and light in, in our world, I mean, that is part of the answer. That's what I want to talk about today, being salt in our life and being light in our world. I don't know if you guys are cooks. I'm not much of a cook at all, but I do know one thing. When I put salt on my corn on the cob, it tastes way better, <laughs> right? When you put a little pinch of salt on your food, when you cook with salt, it's a, it's a transformational agent in your food. It changes it. God says, I want you to be salt to your world. I want you to be the transformational agent to your world. I want you to be like that city on a hill, that light, that beacon of light. I want you to, Jesus is saying, I want you to be the salt and light to your city. Now the answer to how we're gonna reach these people is you and me being salt, being that transformational agent, you and me being that beacon of light to our world. Now, you need to know something. You are where you are in life, not by accident. God has providentially placed you where you're living, the family that you're born into, where you're working for a reason. You're not there by accident. You're not at your school, at your family, at your workplace. You're not there by accident. No, God has placed you there for a reason. And that reason, part of that reason is to be a light and salt in that dark place. I mean, how will this city, how will all these people that we drive by, that we work with, these people that don't know God, how are they gonna know God? Well, the the answer is actually not not the institution of the church. Of course, the church plays a role, but it's actually the people within the church that are gonna make a difference. You and I, God calls us to live faithful, godly lives so the people around us can watch and see how we're different. That is what God will use. He's saying you need to be the salt in your area where you live, where you work. You need to be the light in that dark place. So how do we do that? I mean, what does that practically look like in our lives, in my life, and in your life? I wanna talk in our, in our few minutes together. I wanna give you two real practical ways on how to be salt and light in where God has placed you in your workplace, in your school, in your family, in your community. The first is this. You can be salt and light. You can be that transformational change. You can bring that change by the words that you say. Your words are incredibly important. I remember when I was in grade eight, I was playing basketball. I went, to a, I went to a school at Pacific Academy in Surrey. I wasn't very good at basketball. You know, grade eight, everyone makes the basketball team. And uh, I remember the coach, he's actually Dave Koop, the pastor at Coastal Church, actually, interestingly enough. He was my coach at that time. And uh, I wasn't very good, so I didn't play very much. But this one game I came on at the end of the game because we were up by like 30 points and I couldn't screw it up. (laughs) And so I came on and I remember I was outside the three-point line. I was pretty far away from the the hoop and the ball came to me, which never happened. I didn't know what to do. All of a sudden the ball came to me and I kind of blacked out. And I just shot the ball. I just launched like a Steph Curry. This is before Steph Curry was a, a thing. I launched a Steph Curry three-pointer and as soon as the ball left my hand, I'm not joking, it was like slow motion. I saw the ball like spiraling in the air and I was like, yes. And I look over at my bench and I can like picture my coach going, no. And all of a sudden I see it go and guess what? Swish, it went right in just like that. And I couldn't believe it. I looked around. It was like we won the championship. My team was like cheering and clapping. My coach was like jumping up and down. The other team called the timeout. I remember I went to my bench and my coach, he was so excited. He gave me a high five. He gave me a hug. He said, Lewis, that was the most incredible shot I've ever seen in my life. What an amazing shot. You are such a great athlete. And then he yells, downtown Charlie Brown. I don't even know what that means, but I was excited. (laughs) I was like, yeah, all right, thanks coach. That happened like 25 years ago. And I remember those words that came out of my coach's mouth. When he looked at me and he said, Lewis, that was incredible. Great job, downtown Charlie Brown, whatever that means. I actually found out it was like a saying from like the 60s in basketball. My coach, without even knowing it, he spoke life into me that day. His words, without even knowing it, I remember those words 25 years later. In fact, I told him just a couple of years ago, I'm like, do you remember when that happened? He goes, I actually totally remember that. I said, you have no idea how much those words have impacted my life and you had no idea. Brennan Manning, he's an he's a author of a, a book called uh, The Ragamuffin Gospel. He wrote something that I've always remembered. He says, in every encounter that we have, we either give life or we drain it. There's no neutral exchange. He says, in every encounter that we have, you're either giving life to someone or you're draining it. There's nothing neutral about what you're doing. I always thought there's like, kind of a neutral exchange, meaning like I go to a superstore and I'm buying my food and I'm like kind of keeping my head down and just, you know, tapping my card. And and I'm like, that's a neutral exchange. Brennan Manning, he pushes back. He says, listen, you're either giving life or you're draining it. There's nothing neutral about it. In our lives, our interactions with people, our words that we use with people, we're either giving life or we're draining it. I mean, just think in your life of the conversations that have given you life. Think about the conversations or the words that were spoken to you that transformed your life for the good, but even for the bad. (laughs) I mean, words can do that, can't they? Words are incredibly powerful. The words that are spoken into our life, they can build us up or they can tear us down. Maybe your mind goes back to grade eight class when you handed in an assignment and your teacher goes, Tommy, what an incredible assignment. You are a great writer and you still remember those words. Or maybe as you were a teenager, you went to church and, and a youth leader or a youth pastor or, or someone influential said, I see a call of God on your life. And that changed your life. Or maybe the words of a boss when you started your job, they pulled you aside and said, you have a gift of sales. And those words did something. You remember those. I mean, words can shape literally the trajectory of our lives. Your words that you use have the power to build up and to tear, or to tear down a life. So they are incredibly important. So if we wanna be salt and light, if we wanna be this transformational change in our community to the people that we're around, we need to use our words carefully. We need to speak life into the world around us, into the people around us. In fact, the brother of of Jesus, his name's James, he gives us a, a stern warning about the words that we use in his letter in James chapter 3. I want to read it for you because this is incredibly important. James says this about, about our tongue, about our words that we use. He says, Indeed, we all make mistakes. For if we could control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. We can make a large horse go wherever we want by means of a small bit in its mouth. And a small rudder makes a huge ship turn wherever the pilot chooses to go, even though the winds are strong. In the same way, he says, the tongue is a small thing that makes grand speeches, but a tiny spark can set a great forest on fire. And among all the parts of the body, the tongue is a flame of fire. It is the whole world of wickedness, corrupting your entire body. It can set your whole life on fire, for it is set on fire by hell itself. Incredibly powerful words that James uses about the words that we say. He likens it to a horse. There's a small bit that you put in the horse's mouth, and this tiny bit, it's literally about this big, it moves this 800 pound animal. This rudder on a ship about this big can move. A ship that is, is 10 tons heavy, this little rudder, a tiny spark can cause a forest fire that can cause millions, of millions and millions of dollars in damage. James is saying, that is exactly like your tongue. Your tongue is a small part of your body, but it's powerful. With your tongue, with your words, you have the ability to build up or to tear down. You have the ability to harm or encourage, to bring clarity or confusion, to bring healing words or bring wounding words. You have the ability with your words to either give life or drain life. So if you wanna make a difference in this world, if you wanna be a light, if you wanna be that salt that Jesus is talking about, speak Life to people. Speak life to the people that you do life with. I mean, who are the people that God has placed in your life? People in your family, the people that you live with, the people that you work with, the people that you go to church with. What words do those people need to hear from you? What do your friends or employees or coworkers your parents, your siblings, what words do they need to hear from you? Those are all people that God has providentially placed in your life. God has entrusted those people to you, to be in your life. Where do they need to be built up? How can they be encouraged? How can you speak life into their life? Remember, in every encounter, There's no neutral exchange. You're either giving life or you're draining it. In fact, Proverbs chapter 10 says this. The writer says, the mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well. I mean, is that you? Think about the words that you say, the sarcasm that you use. I'm a sarcastic person. Sometimes I think to myself, Lewis, you got to stop being sarcastic, man. Like, I know it's kind of funny to you, but I don't think that helps. The mouth of a good person is a deep life-giving well. Is that how people would explain, would, would describe the words that you use in your everyday life as you're brushing shoulders with people? I want to encourage you, be that person. That person that gives, a like your mouth is a life-giving well. Be that person to your workplace, to your family, to your friends, to your spouse, to your boyfriend, to your girlfriend, to your home. Speak life into their life. We live in the densest, most unpopulated city in all of Canada. God wants to use you. He wants to use you and he can, to be that light and that salt. And one of the main ways that you can do it, I'm sure there's many, but one of the main ways is the words that you use. Secondly, this one's much shorter, but secondly, it's not only the words that you use, but it's also the love that you show. He wants to use the love that you show to actually make a big difference to the people around you. In fact, look at the words that Jesus shared with his own disciples. In John chapter 13, this was just a few hours before Jesus was going to be crucified, taken away, crucified, and, and die. And he gives this one last command to his disciples. I mean, these people, they came from a Jewish background. In, in, the, in the Old Testament, we read 613 commands that, that the Jewish people were to follow. And then Jesus narrows it down to two. He says, love God and love others. But then hours before he dies, he says, here's a new command. I'm actually narrowing it down to one. And here it is. A new command I give you. Love one another. Isn't that incredible? He says, this is the one thing that I want to leave you with. Love one another. As I have loved you, Jesus says, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Isn't that incredible? He's he's actually not saying in this passage, go love the world. I mean, I think that's part of it. But specifically, this is like Christians love other Christians. By that love, people around will know that you follow me. In order to really understand what Jesus is trying to get at here, you have to understand the meaning of the word love that he uses in this passage. It's much stronger than our word for love. I mean, We have one word for love that we use, but in, in ancient Greek, which is what this was written in, There's several different words. And the Greek word for love in this passage is agape love. Agape, it's the purest form of love imaginable. It's a love that is unconditional. It's self-sacrificial type of love. It's a love that costs you something. It's a love that puts other people's needs above your own. It's a love that's not only given when deserved, but it's also given when it's undeserved. It's not a love that, that, that depends on how the other person acts or what they think. It's a love that's rooted in the giver. It's the type of love that Jesus had for us. For God so loved the world, that is agape loved the world, that he sent his son. He loved us so much that he died for us. And Jesus says, listen, here's my one last command. Here's the one thing I want you to remember that I'm leaving you with. Love each other with this agape love. Sacrificially love one another within the church. And what's the result of that type of love? Jesus says, by this love, everyone will know that you are my disciples. Isn't that incredible? People on the outside are gonna see how Christ followers love each other and interact with each other, and they're gonna, that's gonna be impacting for them. They're gonna notice something different. They're gonna see Jesus in you. So Passion Church, let me challenge you in this way. Your community, your friends, your workplace, your family will know that you follow Jesus by how you treat one another. By how you show sell a sacrificial love for one another. By the agape love that you show one another. I mean, if you wanna be salt and light to our world, treat one another with this self-sacrificing love and people will notice. So let me ask you, do you do that? I mean, are you light to the world that you live in? Are you light in the workplace or in the school? Can people notice that you follow Jesus by the words that you use and the love that you show? If you're gonna be honest with yourself and the answer is no, I wanna challenge you. You can make a decision today. In fact, I'm gonna give you a a moment to make a decision to say, God, I need a change. I've been following you, but I I need a transformational moment in my life where I can actually talk like a Christ follower talks. I can actually love like a Christ follower loves because that is what God is calling us to do. That is how this unchurched city will get one step closer to finding out who God is when each of us go into our communities and speak like Jesus spoke and love like Jesus loved. So if that's you, if you're feeling in your heart, you're like, man, that is, I struggle with that. You could actually make a decision today saying from this day forward, November 19th, 20 years, of 23 I'm going to start doing that. I'm going to be a light and salt for God. Why don't you bow your heads with me as I close? So if that's you today, if you felt like God was speaking to you, (laughs) like you need to make a a, a change in in the words that you say in the actions that you do and the love that you're showing, Make a decision right now. Talk to God right now. I encourage you to simply say, God, I'm sorry the way I'm acting, the way I've, I'm one way at church and, and another way outside of church. You can make a decision right now to change that. Don't be guilty. Don't feel guilty from how you were acting even yesterday. You can start right encouraging this next moment make that decision on your own but perhaps you're here and maybe you're not yet a follower of Jesus Christ maybe you once were but you've kind of fallen away or maybe you came to church today and with a friend or you're just checking out church because you just kind of found yourself here you need to know this agape love that we were talking about your life will not be fulfilled. You will have a hole in your life, in your heart, unless you experience this love for yourself. Unless you invite this love into your life, and that love is God himself. Unless you're experiencing his unconditional love, you are not living life the way you were designed to live life. So perhaps you wanna make that decision. To follow God, to give Him everything, to start being His light and His salt to this world. I'd love to pray with you and simply agree with me as I pray. You don't have to stand up, or I'm not gonna get you to, you know, sign up or anything. This is between you and God. God, I thank you for sending your son to die for me. I wanna turn from my old ways. I want to turn from my old way of thinking, my old old actions, and I want to follow you. I want to embrace your love. I want it to change and transform my life. Use me to be a beacon of light to my world. I thank you for loving me even when I was unlovable. pray this in Jesus' name.